Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today was born and raised in Annapolis, Maryland. He's a martial artist, actor, and a podcaster. When he was younger, he was involved in baseball, tennis, and lacrosse before finding martial arts. He earned his black belt in 2004 and currently holds a second degree. When not training, he hosts a podcast called The Kim Hoang Experience and has also acted in film, some of which were Roulette, Tales of the Fixer, Senior Cut Day, and the upcoming films Miscalculated and Stones. Welcome my guest today, Mr. Kim Hoang. How are you doing today, sir? Hello, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm uh, wow. I, I that was a great intro. I <laughs> I almost feel I almost feel Oscar worthy here. And the award goes to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe someday you stick with the acting. You never know. <laughs> yeah, the, the sky's the limit. That's definitely for sure. Cool. Well, what we like to do with all my guests, I want to go back to the beginning and find out what led to that first interest. Where did that first spark about martial arts come from? Uh, well, you know, being born and raised in Annapolis, Maryland, when you're, uh, you know, a young kid, most of the things that you normally do at a young age is that you're either in school, you're watching television or you're watching movies. And I do believe that the first spark of motivation of wanting to learn the martial arts, I believe that it was, uh, the karate kid. Nice. And I was watching that with uh, a friend of mine who at the time, um, you know, I didn't even know that, you know, he took uh, martial arts and karate and I didn't even know that his dad was involved in it. So, you know, we're just looking at the movie. We're trying to copy all this stuff and so forth. And next thing you know, it's just like I keep on watching other things like uh, Bruce Lee movies and um, the Ninja Turtles that nice. it just kind of clicked. Like, you know, maybe this is the calling that you know, I am going to do martial arts, you know, I'm also already doing other things, you know, why not do something a little bit more challenging and somewhat uh, more therapeutic for, for the human mind, body, and soul. So how old were you then when you first walked into a martial arts school and how did you choose it? Oh, geez. Um, I will explain it in this because there were definitely a lot of like, you know, parts of my martial arts life. Okay. My first time actually stepping into a martial arts school was probably, I think I was maybe eight years old, I think. Okay. And that was because I used to get bullied a lot uh -huh. when I was a kid okay. and, you know, I didn't even know what to do. Um, you know, when it comes to like a four on one situation, uh, the odds weren't in my favor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the said friend that I told you about that we watched a lot of martial arts films and the karate kid together, he actually saved me. Like, you know, he actually beat these bullies up and I didn't even know what in the world was going on. I was wow. just like, 
what is he doing? What is all this stuff? And, you know, is this something that he learned from television? You know, because that's <laughs> that was the only point of reference that I knew. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when his dad actually saw what happened and he asked questions, my friend was just like, you know, dad, you know, Kim got beat up again. And this is not cool. He's my best friend. We got to do something. So after his father and my mom talked about it, you know, next thing you know, I was told to get dressed, you know, dress comfortably, you know, and I was just wearing like maybe like a T-shirt and some sweatpants and we're going somewhere. And I'm like going with my friend and his father. I'm like, oh, where are we going? I mean, are we going to get some ice cream? And they were just like, no, you'll, you'll, you'll find out. We're actually not going far. And next thing you know, I'm going over to the shopping center and we're going into a building. And I see all these people like, you know, like Kid Logic, you're seeing all these people wearing like white pajamas, doing some stuff. And I'm just like, what is this? And then my friend's like, oh, you didn't know? I actually do take karate. And my dad, he's the instructor. This is his school. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and it just kind of, you know, it, 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 it just after that, it was just like, all right, this is a. Uh, I guess this is the beginning of, of, you know, for the rest of my life. What style was that? Um, it is um, the Mudaquan style of Taekwondo. Okay. So just, yes. you just just the one style your whole life. You stuck, pretty much went, found it and stuck with it. Well, I would say this. That is like the base. That okay. will probably be about like, I think, 80% of what I've done. Okay. And, and, and I still am sticking with it. I've done other things. In my life, like, you know, when I was like in high school, like I joined a a kickboxing school where they taught like Muay Thai. When I actually got into community college, I took uh, a little bit of a karate course over at the junior college and they were offering uh, a show and rue karate. And I just took that as like, well, I am going to take it for the fact that it's a PE elective and I have martial arts experience, so, I mean, it should be easily translatable. Okay, cool. I definitely want to get into those. I want to back up a little bit. So you're eight years old. You go into the school. So what was it about it once you were there that made you want to stay and stick with it? Well, I'll be honest with you. I I came in spurts where, like, you know, I I trained and I stopped. I trained and I stopped. And, uh, and, and, you know, finally, as an adult, you know, I just went full bore. And any martial artist that has been through that kind of process, you know what I'm talking about. But I just felt like, okay, it's the only karate school that I knew that was, you know, near uh, my area of where I lived in Annapolis. Um, I come to find out that – you know, again, you know, my best friend and his father are like, you know, they train there. Uh, his father's the the chief instructor and the owner of the school. And uh, my cousin at the time, uh, who was like an older brother, uh, was training there. And he was, I think at the time when I saw him train, he was like a, a brown belt. I was just like, wow. Like, you know, I was kind of hooked. Like, I automatically thought like, wow, this this is the karate school. This is awesome. You know, this is probably like the best karate school ever. And again, at the time at eight years old logic, you don't really know too much about it. You're just thinking, you know, you're thinking in the box. You're not thinking outside the box. You don't know that there's a other, you know, world and plethora of other martial arts schools all around the area and so forth. You're just thinking that's the one. Nice. And so at that young age, what are some things you remember just about some of the classes, some of the things you worked on when you first started, maybe those first few months and what stood out about the instructor himself? I remember when I first started, it was all about, you know, getting the stances right. 
and actually learning how to walk in like a like in a front stance or to mm-hmm. be technical to all those that know taekwondo and korean terminology walking in a chungle jai say and then you know to make sure that okay you know you actually you know put your feet together you know you step out step in step out make sure that you know you have a wide uh, base that your legs are spread apart, not too far apart now, but far apart enough that, you know, you have a good solid foundation and um, also learning about, you know, certain things about like being in the horse stance and the punching combinations. And then once I actually became a white belt, I was like, okay, now we're starting to piece the, uh, you know, the puzzle together bit by bit. All the instructors at that time, when I was eight years old, they were really nice to me. You know, they always were very loving and they were very caring and they always cared about, you know, the students because, you know, it's true what they say in the martial arts that, you know, everyone is a family, no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter what, uh, you know, race or orientation or where you come from in life. Everyone is family because, you know, love is love. We want to support each other in in a very good, positive and healthy way. And I always looked at, you know, everybody like, you know, that's, that's a, that's a brother to me or that's a sister to me. And I remember my main instructor who is still my instructor to this day was like, uh, he was like the father, you know, whenever you came over to his house and you trained, he considered you like, you are my kids and I'm responsible for your upbringing and to to raise you the right way in the martial arts. And that to me I felt like, wow, you know, now I have a family within a family that's not really my biological family. And it was it was amazing. It was all that I wanted and more at that time. Very cool. And then so what uh, what age and when did you get to black belt? And did you get into black belt while, you know, before you turned it into an adult or did you? No, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like like I said, like uh, I started when I was eight mm-hmm. and then like, you know, I, I, I just kind of quit because like obviously, you know, I wanted to do kid things. You know, I got back into it just for the fact that that bullying uh, issue happened again. Okay. So I wanted to go ahead and go back and I had a, I think I forgot everything and I had like, I didn't even keep my old green belt at the time. So oh, wow. I had to start over. Okay. Yeah. So, but I picked it up really quick. And at that time I was a little bit more mobile because, you know, I just started walking from my house to the school every day for, you know, six days a week and just, you know, attending all the classes I could. So nice. it was, it was a mission. It was a mission. But to answer your question, I didn't, I didn't get my black belt until I want to say 2004. Okay. So I want to say that, you know, I was in my early twenties when I got it. Okay. So at that young age, then you said you got to the green belt the first time and then went back. Did you ever get into the competition aspect of it? I didn't get into the competition aspect of it until the second, uh, I'll call it this, the second runaround. Okay. Um, just because I didn't know what tournaments were, mm-hmm. you know, when I first trained, you know, when they were saying tournament, tournament, I was just thinking, okay, I'm not sure what you mean. And then when I go to, to the school and I find out they're closed and they have a sign said, you know, closed because we are in, uh, going over to here for tournament competition. So, you know, when I heard about tournament uh, the second time that I was training, I was like, okay, this is this is, you know, interesting. And it's funny because I got um, my best friend over in middle school. He was at a, another school in 
Annapolis, Maryland, another karate school. And he was talking about, you know, that he was going to go to this tournament. And I just said, yeah, well, I'm going to go to this tournament too. And, you know, we're trying to, you know, trash talk each other. You know Uh what I mean? Like if it was like a UFC fight, Yeah. but you know, we're just, you know, we're just, you know, we're kids. We don't know anything, but you know, he said that he was going to be there. And I said, yeah, I'll be there. And I found out that it was literally over at a high school, not far from where we lived. Like maybe it was like 10 minutes away. And then when I told my school about this, a lot of the other, you know, students that were around my age, they're like, what you're going, all right, cool. We'll compete too. We got nothing to do. And it was great. You know, first time competing, I was a green belt again. And uh, I was uh, uh, doing forms and I was doing sparring. Didn't place in, in forms, but I, I, I didn't expect too much in that sense. I was like, all right, well, forms weren't at the time not my best thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked it, but it wasn't my specialty. Right. And then um, sparring, I actually got to spar said friend from middle school. Oh, wow. And and I, I actually won that surprisingly. I don't know how I did, you know, uh, shout out to, to Curtis Bland. Love you, brother. And, nice. um, <laughs> you know, I actually got, uh, beat by, uh, somebody that he knew that obviously had more experience and it was the rude awakening, but it was, it was good because that just taught me that, you know, you can't win in everything. You, there's always going to be somebody that's better than you mm-hmm. and there's always room for improvement. But to go home that day with a second place trophy, I, I felt like I was on top of the world. Like I won like the million dollar lottery. <laughs> nice. So now I, I did my, my first style when I was 10 was um, Mudakwan Tung Sudo. So I, okay. I, I don't know how, I've not, I've, I've never been to a Mudakwan Taekwondo school. So I don't know how similar uh, my Taekwondo school over the years was, um, it started as um, Song Mukwan and then changed changed to uh, Chung Mukwan. So I'm just okay. curious, like, what what were some of the sparring rules at that age? Do you remember, like, what some of the rules were, what you could and couldn't do? I'm just curious how similar it was. Basically, it was just like, you know, the basic rules that, you know, all the contact, you know, you want to hit somewhere. It's got to be above the belt. Um, you couldn't punch to the, you know, obviously you couldn't punch to the face. Right. I think at the child level, I think that uh, depending on the tournament that you went to, Kicking to the head wasn't allowed. Okay. But um, there were some tournaments that I heard that, you know, if you did kick to the head, that was like a point. And depending on that tournament, it could have been either like one point or two. Right. But but I just prepared myself knowing that, okay, um, I probably might get kicked in the head. So I might want to keep that arm up just so <laughs> I'm not going to go ahead and have that to be like the visible open target. Okay. What patterns did you guys do? Well, I'll I'll give you like a couple of like uh, uh like forms mm-hmm. like I'll name a couple of them, like the basic ones are like you know, keep on or keep on one two and three. Okay. And then you got your pinon forms, then you got your uh, nanji forms or naihanchi depending on you know what system that you go through. Mm-hmm. What else did I do? Jintei, by side eye. Uh, depending on again the the system that you go to, uh, we call it low high, but they some people call it row high. Okay. And then um, you know black belt forms like you know you know Gion, Goon Sangoon, uh, Gento, uh, just to name a few. Okay, cool. Yeah, that definitely because we do primarily the Palge forms. Um, okay. You know, for our school, and I know a lot of our schools that are associated with us switch to the Taeguk, which I'm not a fan of, and I'm I'm glad our school did not switch to those. So. 
<laughs> and I've never, I'm like, I, I was never a fan of forms anyway. So that was always my least favorite of everything we did. <laughs> I, I just say I, I have to give respect to, you know, the forms and just in martial yes. arts in general, just because, you know, it, it looks a little bit like, you know, awkward or something like that doesn't mean that it's not effective in its own way. Right. You know, oh, yeah, it's definitely. just because I always believe that it's the art that makes it happen and it's the martial artist behind that art that makes it happen. So, you know, if you do like, let's say a take form and it looks awful. Okay. That might be just that person that's doing that form. That yep. could, there could be another person that, that does it, you know, the right way correctly and, you know, makes it look so sharp that you're just like, Oh, that's how it is. So exactly. I always try to give a lot of uh, respect and acknowledgement to, you know, all the martial arts forms and all the martial arts in general, because, you know, it is what keeps us uh, going. It is what keeps us alive and it's what keeps us here. Nice. All right. So then you, you move on, you get up to high school and you decide what made you decide to go look for. Did you go look for a kickboxing school or did you just want to look for something different? Okay, so in high school at that time, like, you know, obviously I'd quit my primary uh, karate school because I moved away. I went from Annapolis, Maryland to Silver Spring, Maryland. Okay. And Silver Spring, Maryland is about, depending on where in Washington, D.C., it's about like maybe 15 minutes away from Washington, D.C. Okay. My friend that I had, um, his name is Joe. Uh, you know, we were all about at the time, uh, the UFC finally came out nice. and, uh, yeah, like, you know, we, we, you know, seeing the old days of like, you know, Hoist Gracie and, and Ken Shamrock and, you know, Kimo Leopoldo and those guys. Nice. And, um, you know, my friend, he actually had a car and he drove and I didn't. So I was at a disadvantage mm -hmm. and, um, I would always ask him like, Hey, you know, do you want to hang out today? And he was like, oh, I can't hang out after school, man. I'm, I actually signed up to to do um, some kickboxing. And I was just like, what? Yeah, we're, I'm doing kickboxing now. I'm training in kickboxing. Um, it's the, you know, the, the style from Thailand, the Muay Thai style. And uh, yeah, you know, I do that, you know, every so often. And yeah, it's great. And I said to him one time, I said, you, you know, hey, um, do you mind if I actually ride with you and check this out? And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, you're about like five minutes away from me. I mean, you know, I can just drop you back. It's no problem. Nice. So I go, I go over there and we go over to this gym in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland. And it's called, it was at the time, well, it's closed now, but it was called uh, Steve's gym. And uh, it was a kickboxing gym. They were teaching like a traditional American style kickboxing, like the type of kickboxing, like the Benny, the jet or Kitas was, would, would do back in the day. Yep. And then, um, you know, Muay Thai uh, kickboxing. And I went there and uh, it was pretty cool. You know, it was really, um, I would just say like it, 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 was, it was very rustic, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, there wasn't like a lot of like modernized new equipment. It was just like, you know, there was an old ring that had ropes uh, with like, you know, literally like electrician's tape tied around, you know, around the ropes. <laughs> you know, there was like duct tape holding like the, the punching bag and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it was just about it. I was like, man, this is this is really cool. You know, I really want to try this out. So I talked to, you know, one of the head trainers and he said, yeah, man, you should, uh, you should try it out. You know, what, what's your background? And I said, well, I mean, I've done karate slash Taekwondo for many years. Oh, okay. Well, you have a good sense of at least, you know, some kind of kicking. Uh, Muay Thai is a little bit different, but if you're willing to, you know, try it out, you're more than welcome to. So I did the trial classes. It was like, 
you did like maybe three free trial classes and then you decide whether or not it fits for you. And then I just said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in, you know, uh, I think it's really cool. Plus I have, you know, my friend Joe's out here doing his thing here. And so let's do it. And I think I probably trained in Muay Thai for on and off for about like year, year and a half. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, it's just because at the time, you know, I didn't really find any martial arts schools or karate schools or taekwondo schools that was like the one that I trained in. And at the time, I didn't know that there was. I just didn't know about them or where they were located. Okay. So I, I made the switch of trying to do something else, mm-hmm. you know, try to go ahead and transition from like one style to another just to, you know, keep active at the time. For our young listeners out there, there, there was no Google back then. So we had no way of finding those schools other than like no, the, no, yellow, was the yellow pages. <laughs> the yellow pages, yeah. The, the good old Verizon yellow pages and, nice. you know. And just, uh, you know, you went under the K for karate and then, you know, there was like a listing and, you know, you saw ones that had like a full page ad with a real cool like advertisement with pictures and just some that were just like, wow, I might need a magnifying glass to read that number. <laughs> yep. So did you ever do any kickboxing competition? No, I didn't. Okay. I, I just wanted, you know, honestly, I just wanted to just do something just for the heck of it. Okay. Obviously, we had sparring in, you know, classes, and that was kind of cool. Okay. You know, but I at the time, I, I didn't have any aspiration to be like a, you know, a kickboxer to, you know, actually either be like at the WKA or PKA or even train for like uh, at the time uh, it was like a K1 kickboxing in Japan. I, that yep. wasn't my aspiration. Okay. It was cool, you know, and I think that was great that other people were doing it, but you know, realistically I was just a high school kid just wanting to, you know, have a physical outlet and just do things and, and, you know, explore what was out there. Okay. And then you went on, you said to, to college and you, you discovered uh, Shore and Ruid. So you mentioned that. So that was for a credit. That was for a credit. Yeah. Okay. Um, in junior college or community college, uh, the requirement is that you had to have one credit for, for PE you know, for physical ed, Mm -hmm. I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a class from martial arts, uh, martial arts 101. I'm like, this is perfect. You know, I, you know, I always said that I wanted to be training and I wanted to do something, you know, I still wanted to keep that, that that martial arts spirit alive. And sure enough, you know, I actually found, um, you know, that class and it was a karate class specifically, uh, show and rue. Um, and that the professor that actually taught it uh, was Sensei uh, George Hardman. He actually real nice guy, you know, older gentleman. But you know, you look at him, you're like thinking, there's no way that an older gentleman like him that's that thin looks like he knows something or he's going to do something. <laughs> but uh, soon enough, when he demonstrated some stuff uh, on the other students and showing what he knew. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to sing a new <laughs> tune here. I, I guess, uh, you know, I guess the old dog does know uh, a couple of tricks and then some. So, yeah. How long you did know, you I, end up doing that? That was just only for like a semester. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was good, you know, and that was, you know, and I, obviously I got an A in that class mainly just because I can't, you know, when you come in every day, I think that was the ingredient of getting a good grade, right. you know. And um, it didn't matter to him if you were like really terrible, but it was just all about showing up and, and showing the effort. 
Okay. And I really appreciate uh, Sensei Hardman for that because, you know, he just always told me that, you know, Kim, you got a lot of potential and wherever you go in life in, in the martial arts, I'm pretty sure that you're going to be, you know, a good student. Just keep up that attitude and, that, and, and keep up, you know, the positivity. And I'm pretty sure the doors will open for you and things will go your way. I'm like, yes, sir. Appreciate nice. you. Nice. So then what, uh, how long was it then before you found your way back to Mudakwan? I think think it was back in shortly after when my mother passed away in 99. Okay. And, you know, I was really sad at the time. I went back to the school. By then, you know, I had uh, some younger cousins, uh, both uh, their, their siblings and their, and their sisters. You know, obviously they knew about it. And I came in there, uh, you know, crying. And, of course, you know, the one cousin actually came in and hugged me. My main instructor, you know, took us both into his office and we talked about it. And I and, you know, I think if I remember correctly, I said that I wanted to go back. Okay. And he said, well, you know, of course, you're always welcome to come back. But, you know, make sure that, you know, you think about it and this is what you want. And I said, no, I, th- you know, I think I need to be here. You know, I, I you know, I think it, uh, it's just time to finish what I started. You know, I, at the time I was a blue belt. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we, we just we need to do this. Did you go back then as a blue belt or did you start over again? I did. Okay. I did. Nice. You know, I, luckily, uh, you know, I found, you know, my blue belt. Didn't fit, but that's okay. You know, we, we, you know, uh, but you know, I ended up going to like a, like a neighborhood, uh, martial arts store in Washington, DC. And I just got like a, a bigger size of blue belt. Like, I think like that one was like maybe a four and I got like a size six. Okay. Yeah. And you know, obviously I got like a, a uniform and the first class back was sparring class. And that was, if you remember, you know, going back how my best friend, you know, that actually watched the Karate Kid with me and mm-hmm. saved my butt, he was a second degree black belt then. Oh wow! And yeah, and he hadn't been training for about like five years, and he was like, you know what? I think we're going to need to train too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was going to happen at the time, but you know, we went in there. Obviously, you know, I, I'm out of breath. I'm winded. I've been been training for a while. So then, you know, he actually just said, you know what, just sit down for a second, relax and, uh, you know, just, you know, watch what's going on. And I see him sparring and he's sparring his brother, his younger brother, who's also a secondary black belt. And that sparring session, I don't know how long it took, but uh, I think it was like at least 15 minutes because you just saw them get to work and everybody's stopping and everybody's watching that fight. And we're just like what is going on here? <laughs> wow. And at that point I was like, okay, I'm back home. I'm in, I'm in the right place. Nice. And then since then you haven't stopped, no turning back. I, I mean, I, life does take yes. over. Yes. I mean, you know, but I still have kept up with, uh, you know, my training and so forth. And, you know, I look at that second degree black belt and I'm just reminded about, you know, all the, you know, hard work that came along with that from, since day one till now, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it's been a journey and um, you know, I can honestly say that I don't know how it is for other martial arts schools. So I, I don't think I'm qualified in that respect, but at least in our school, it's like, you know, our uh, instructor doesn't hand out black belts. You right. know, if you're not, if you're not ready, you're not ready, mm-hmm. you know, 
or if you did something bad and you know it's not passable then yeah you know you're going to fail because you know you did it wrong you know so he's a very stern person about you know who actually earns the right to test for a black belt and who actually passes to get uh, that promotion, to get promoted to that black belt. You know, in, in that sense, it, I, I am very grateful because I come from a school knowing that it has a lot of uh, tradition and discipline and it has uh, a lot of rules and, you know, it's just a good quality school. And you know, deep down, you earned that black belt. By heck or high water, uh, I will say that like the for testing for the first degree was already a challenge as it was because I've seen the black belt tests, mm -hmm. but I never really experienced it because it was my first time. Yeah. And being under that microscope being tested for first degree black belt at that time, I literally like my life flashed before my eyes. And it was just so wild because, you know, we're not even done like stretch kicking. And I'm just like, what's going on? And now we're doing all these like kicking drills. And then once that part was over, like a certain section, I could see myself just like going down, grabbing my knees with my hands. And I'm just like huffing and puffing. I'm like, I feel like, wow, am I having a cardiac arrest? What's going on? Wow. And then uh, my black belt partner and good friend, uh, Marcus, he would always whisper in my ear. He's like, do not give up. You've gone too far. I'm not, I'm not quitting on you. You better not quit on me. Get up and nice. start fighting. And I'm just like, yes, sir, I got you. I got you. And I'm just, I would just get back up. I'm like, okay, I'm in the game. And then there, there would be that question. He's like, is anybody tired? No, sir. Does anybody want a water break? No, sir. Anybody want to quit? No, sir. All right, let's let's keep going. Nice. That's cool. So at any point, did you get into the teaching side of things? Well, I mean, I would always consider myself like, you know, when you're a higher rank, you would always teach something or, right. you know, help, you know, the younger students or the, uh, you know, the lower level students uh, get the information that they need. And I've always done that throughout my time. And even as a black belt, you know, I knew right then and there, like once I got it, I knew it was my time to, you know, to give back because when I was coming up, everybody was giving to me, you know, everybody mm -hmm. was taking their time out of their schedule to help me out with the things that I needed to know for my martial arts knowledge. And I, you know, at the black belt level, I realized they did that for me. You know, it's time for me to do the same thing, to give back. Nice. And then uh, did, did you quickly realize that how much better your own stuff came after teaching it to other people? I think I had a better understanding, and I guess I wasn't so quick to, like, if somebody was uh, at the time, like, looking at what I was doing, I know I would be mad easily because, you know, I would just go, like, why are you saying that? Like, I think I did this right, you know, mm. blah, 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 blah. And as a black belt, you understand better, like, you know, like, oh, well, man, I, I, did I miss that? Okay, well, you know, I got to work on this. So you have a better understanding, a, a better level of maturity, and you take things better with a grain of salt. And and I feel like that helped me out so that I don't have to be so overcritical. You know, I just, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, listen to the advice, listen to the words of the of the masters and the seniors above you because they want to see you do well. They yeah. want to see you succeed. They they want you to be better than they are. And I try to hold on to that standard as the best as I as I could. Am I doing it 
exactly the right way, mm, that's debatable. Mm-hmm. But as long as I'm making the effort, to me, that's the start. Nice. So when did the uh, acting thing start for you? Did you Were you uh, in like theater and stuff in high school, or what, did that come later in life? You know, the first time that I actually saw acting was I was a kid. I was watching NBC at night. And uh, what got me hooked was, uh, you know, Family Ties and Alex P. Keaton. That was my guy. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, I just looked at it. And I was like, wait a minute. What are these guys doing? Like, what it, what are they doing on television? And then it was explained to me that they were actors and they were portraying a role. A TV show that they're doing is like a 30-minute, sometimes, depending on the show, an hour-long movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, you get paid to do that? That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I went through uh, a phase where, you know, I wanted to check out like, you know, a couple of theater um, programs and clubs in my school. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, fortunate enough to, you know, go ahead and to do that. That was great. I think my first time that I got a chance to really do uh, movies, I was a movie extra for a movie called deep impact oh really yes sir yeah that was that was great that was a great time and i didn't know that you could do it but i heard they were just like yeah we're looking for people uh in the dc area you know for two days being an extra all you're doing is driving your car and you're going to get paid um uh five hundred dollars a day and i was like wait five hundred dollars a day Oh my God. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm there. That's great. But after taxes, it was like, you know, it was like 850 or something like that. But still, I felt like, I felt like I was Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales. Like, you know, I just, I, I'm rolling in the dough and I'm that closer to, to building my money bit. That's awesome. So have you ever got to uh, show off your martial arts skills on screen? I have actually for not like major motion pictures, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like Hollywood stuff. I have Uh, locally. uh, The first time that I did that, I did that for uh, Tales of the Fixer, where I actually played a bad guy, Uh, played a guy named Zhu Nguyen, who's like, you know, his front was that uh, he was like a man of uh, many businesses and entrepreneurs and so forth. But he was like a real like dangerous bad guy that knew martial arts and you know he meant uh, he meant business and then uh later on you know in the um local movie career i should say i i did some stuff that was martial arts not a lot Mm -hmm. uh senior senior skip day i was able to do a couple of things that incorporated martial arts not fully so i just did like you know basic like you know kicks and punches and and taking some falls and so forth and that was fun you know, because I got a chance to really kind of let myself go. And it was great. You know, I was like playing like a dead zombie role, but he knew what he was doing. And it was, it was awesome. Then recently uh, with Miscalculated, you know, I'm playing the role of Benny Chow. You know, he actually knows something, you know, he knows forms of, you know, martial arts and fighting. So you see me, in, you know, throwing like, you know, sidekicks, spinning back kicks, you know, things like that. And according to the director, uh, Romel Morales, you know, I, I didn't really see it because, I, you know, I'm just an actor living that part. Mm-hmm. So I don't really get to see the playback. But according to him, he was like really, really impressed and impressed with the the entourage that I brought on that film day because apparently there were like some actors that dropped out that was supposed to play my protection, my entourage. And 
the director, Romel's like, well, they left and it's up to you now to pick out three people. I'm like, you're kidding. I, I mean, I have to do that. So I scrambled around and I got uh, three of my, uh, you know, good friends from the martial arts industry um, who are also like my brothers. Uh, one of them actually competes in the NASCA circuit that's over on Team Amerikick, Cameron Whittington. Okay. And, uh, you know, I got him aboard. I got my one friend, uh, Timothy Apollo, uh, on the board. He's a martial artist that uh, is a stuntman now based out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And then I had a friend of mine, Zach Knox, who is a karate teacher over in the Washington, D.C. area for a school called uh, Kaizen Karate. Oh, okay. So then uh, what led to you starting a podcast? I know it's not a martial arts podcast, but you, you looks like looking through episodes, you've talked about martial arts on it a, a few times, but what kind of led you to get involved in podcasting? Initially, I thought... I wanted to do something, you know, outside of my acting mm -hmm. because I felt like I could really hold a good conversation well. And I feel like, you know, I, I can talk well and I can just, you know, keep it moving and so forth. And initially I had an idea to do it back in 2018. And yeah. I talked to a friend of mine who I used to work with at the Apple store. And initially he, he was on board about it because, you know, I told him that I wanted to have like a, a co-host with me and it was a great idea. So we, we bounced on it and we thought it would go somewhere. But, you know, later on, I just found out that he, I think he just didn't want to do it. I'm not sure what the reason was. So I didn't hold it against him. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, well, that's fine. Well, I'll just pick it up whenever, you know, it's happening. And through that time, I took my time to actually do some research about, you know, the cost, you know, what's involved and so forth. Because as many podcasters know, we're actually spending our own dime, you know, investing in this project that yep. we love. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have any corporate sponsorships kind of backing us up. You know, it'd be nice if, you know, we get like some sure microphones here or like a road, like, you know, a boomstick uh, mic holder and so forth, or just even like a, a brand new computer to kind of run it on the interface. But mm -hmm. no, we, we are hardworking blue collared people that love what we do and we have to save our own money to invest to, to do this stuff. And then uh, the pandemic came and, you know, obviously nobody was doing anything because at the time there was nothing really open at all. And it was like almost like a literal lockdown. And I said to myself, you know what, if there's ever a time to execute the plan to do a podcast, this is it. Yep. You know, and I didn't even care if I had to go super minimal. I was going to do something. So... I found out, you know, with the power of my MacBook Pro, I already had something going on there, which is great. I needed to buy, uh, you know, an external uh, USB microphone. So I, I bought one of those El Cheapo ones over at Amazon Prime for like, I think it was like uh, 35 bucks or something like that. Okay. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, we hit the ground running. You know, we did everything from episode one until, you know, what's going on recently. So you know, I, I would say that uh, from then to now, you know, obviously huge differences, but I, I enjoy the journey. I love the idea of talking about, you know, subject matters here and there and talking to people who would be like 
my special guests and talk about their creative mediums or their passions or something like that, or just talking to people about, you know, certain subject matters that, that are relevant in life. I find joy in that. And where can people find that? I'll, I'll definitely put a link out there, but just to give people an idea where they can find that show. Yeah, for sure. Again, uh, for those that are interested, the whole name, and I don't mean to sound narcissistic, but I, I kid you not, the full name is called The Kim Huang Podcast Experience. <laughs> so once again, it's called The Kim Huang Podcast Experience. Uh, we are on uh, the following uh, platforms. We are on Anchor. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. And most recently, we are on Amazon Music. Okay. Yep. And we're also on uh, Twitter. We're also on Instagram, uh, which is under the same the same screen name, which is at TKHPC Experience. Uh, no spaces, all lowercase. You know, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. If you follow me, I'll make sure that, you know, I'll follow you back. Any uh, upcoming episodes that you, you want to plug that haven't come out yet? Any interesting topics or guests coming up? I do have some stuff that's on the pipeline. Okay. Um, there's one, uh, I basically will have like a kind of like a, a year in review, okay. kind of like an episode. So I'm really looking forward to that. Another one I, I want to actually put out there is, uh, although it's uh, long over, long overdue and, it, and it's been like, months since i wrapped i did a movie a short movie called scrolls of honor and i wanted to do an episode about like how i got wrapped with that my experiences what i liked about it and so forth i even give a couple of shout outs and um i don't know what rated uh you know that we are in this podcast but for the protection of the ears i interviewed an alternative model uh who's (laughs) Yes, I'm going to okay. say it like that, an alternative model. Okay. Um, she's very beautiful woman. She's a friend of mine, um, you know, and I love her to death. Uh, she also did a couple of acting roles here and there. You know, we go in that realm. We talk about, you know, uh, her acting and her acting ability, her alternative modeling and how she got started with that. And okay. uh, it's it, all I have to say is that episode is interesting. But I can't discriminate because, you know, modeling, no matter what form it is, it is art. You know, it is a creative medium. And I I have to give respect where respect is due. And, you know, art is art. And, you know, I want to put people out there who who love their art and and, and celebrate it and do the best that they can in their art. I will definitely put links out there and hopefully get you some more listeners. So. So what advice would you give someone looking to get involved in martial arts for the first time in their life? They've never done it and they just want to know a couple tips. Hey, what should I look for in a school and maybe some things I should avoid? I will put it in this context. So if you go come to me and you say that you want to be a martial artist, the first thing I would tell you to do is that you might want to sit down and think about it because it is a very life-changing experience. And it is a process. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's not like a five minute journey. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, I found the answer. You know what I mean? Because it's it's a long journey. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it and all the questions that you ask and the answers point back to yes, then I would say, OK, then you should be a martial artist and you should really, um, you know, seek it out. Now, in terms of what martial arts school to go to. 
I would say first find like a listing of arts that interest you. You know, what do you like? What do you want to do? Do you want to do like, you know, the modern kind of like Brazilian jiu-jitsu where you're, it's like all ground stuff and you're doing, you know, locks and manipulation and so forth. Do you want to do something traditional? Do you want to do something that's more of a, you know, hard style like karate or taekwondo where you do a lot of kicking and a lot of punching and stance work? Or do you want something soft and fluid like Kung Fu? List everything that you want. And if you have more listings on that specific art, congratulations. You pick that art that might be the the art of discipline that's for you. And then last but not least, Look for, you know, the local schools in your area that may teach that art and take a look around, you know, look at the Google reviews because they're always good. Mm -hmm. And if there's something that, you know, strikes you, visit that school, see what it's all about. Take a look at the class, ask to talk to the headmaster or the grandmaster of that school, you know, get to talk to them and know what they do, what their curriculum is, what they, how they train their students. And don't be afraid to talk to the students, you know, ask them about like, you know, their experiences in their school. If all things lead up to a a positive outlook, congratulations. You found not only the art that you want to study, but the school where you want to be the student. Nice. I know you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? I will say this. For what it is, you know, MMA and UFC, I think it's good. You know, I think the UFC is good because they really started the trend of, you know, mixed martial arts in general. I think it's good because, you know, obviously you have two people that compete that, you know, are very competitive and they want to do their thing and so forth. There might be some debate where people would say, well, you know, MMA is not really martial arts. It's a sport. Or, mm, you know, it's not for me because, you know, it's not really traditional. And there's some things sometimes that certain fighters will keep pounding the person, even when the ref stops it. They don't use self-control. They just keep going until they literally, you know, knock the person for, for dead. And I get that. But understand at the same time, you know, from every art, there is like some bound of tradition. And I think that not every... MMA fighter is bad. You know, there might be some that are just like very, you know, come from a very traditional background that knows stuff like that. You know, case in point, like uh, Leota Machida, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, people like them that come from a traditional martial arts background, but know when to use it, how to use it, when to be aggressive in the octagon or the MMA ring and so forth. So, I give it its respect. You know, I, you, you'll catch me, you know, watching, you know, an event or two at my local uh, Buffalo Wild Wings when the big one comes out, yep. you know? So yeah, I, I do like it. I, I give it a lot of respect. Um, is it for me? No, but totes and credit to those that, uh, that do that, you know, that's uh you're a better guy than me. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're more confident in that area and, you're more braver than I. <laughs> there you go. Nice. All right. Who are some names? And it doesn't have to be four, but just you know, three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts. Like martial arts in general? Yes. And they can be people you've met, people you've trained with. It can be you know people like a, a Bruce Lee. You know, just you know, it's your personal Mount Rushmore. Who would you put up there? Whether they're just 
important to you for personal reasons. You just think they've impacted the martial arts world in general. It's your picks. Oh God. Wow. <laughs> I want to preface right now that you, you have asked a very dangerous question, sir, which that I feel like if I answer it for, for those that I know personally that may be listening to this episode, I just want to say, I'm sorry if I don't mention your name and I know that I'm going to have it coming to me. So by that, I love you all. Four people that I feel like that really had done it in my own personal, um, you know, Mount Rushmore. One would be uh, the late Grandmaster Key Wine Kim, uh, who was uh, my my instructor's teacher. Okay, um, you know, a man that came from uh, South Korea from the '60s and you know immigrated in the United States in Washington D.C who generated a, a lot of champions, a lot of champions, you know, people like, uh, you know, if I go like, uh, if I go from the timelines, the Mitchell Bobros, uh, the Mike Warrens, the Albert Cheeks, the George Thinos, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, even like for a form competitors, he, he uh, created champions like Jimmy Roberts, Jr. Nice. Um, Mike Wolf. And even, um, I'll put it out here because the fact that he did study under Key Wayne Kim when he was younger, Rick Faisbosk, you know, like, you know, individuals like that, you know, he paved the way for a lot of people, made a lot of history, made a lot of champions, quality martial artists in the Washington, D.C. area. Mm -hmm. So he takes the the, the first spot. The second spot is actually a name that I already mentioned that was a student of Key Wayne Kim, Mike Warren who anybody in the martial arts, if you know the name Mike Warren, then you know who I'm talking about. A grand champion in every martial arts tournament that there was in sparring. I mean, chances are if Mike Warren was there, he was going to take it. Mm -hmm. And at the time, competing in Madison Square Garden in New York City for the uh, um, All-American Open for uh, tournament promoter S. Henry Cho, at the time, he was the only one that won it four times differently and he was at the time the man that actually won the most for us for sparring people say that how michael jordan is to basketball how jazz you know you had like miles davis karate and martial arts taekwondo had mike warren like everybody he actually copped the phrase i want to be like mike not michael jordan but mike (laughs) warren that's definitely there another person third person on the list uh, that I felt like deserves to be on my Mount Rushmore. I would say Bruce Lee. I really would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a man that came from, you know, Hong Kong, being uh, born in San Francisco and emigrated back to the states. You know, teaching martial arts. You know, the of the uh, you know the Chinese arts uh, initially of Wing Chun before he actually uh, did Jeet Kune Do. Being a you know a martial arts actor in the States before making it big in Hong Kong, he did it not only just for martial artists, but for, for Asian people in general, because we didn't have an Asian actor at the time leading the way and being our hero. Right. And he was, he was definitely somebody who I felt like he was like the blueprint. He was like in that area, he was that standard. And I got to give a lot of love to Bruce for that because, you know, he, he helped even like Asian actors today, to try to go out there and make it out there in the industry. Cause it's hard, you know, it's hard for, you know, Asian actors to even be on the forefront and, you know, with a person like Bruce Lee that kicked through the door and, and made it happen, 
he made us believe that it's possible. It really is possible. I think the last one, I'm going to go ahead and, and put it out there, but you know, my best friend, Amos Johnson, the third, okay. This is the guy that we've known each other for many years. I didn't know that, you know, again, I didn't know that he was, uh, you know, studying karate, let alone over at his father's school, which I didn't know his father ran the school. Like I said, when I came back, he came back. He hadn't been training for about five years. His first tournament back, he won the grand championship and became the first man in our school to become grand champion wow. in sparring. Interesting fact, the week before, because it was over in, um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the, the tournament promoter was C.S. Kim, who is a Tong Sudo guy. My friend, he actually got into a fight uh, on a basketball court, and somehow he fractured his right hand, and he showed his dad. And he was like, oh, well, I guess that means that uh, you're not going to go and compete. And then my friend, he was like, no, I'm going to compete. I'll, I'll be there. I didn't say I wasn't. Amos, how are you how are you going to go ahead and compete with a with a fractured right hand? What happens if you need to go ahead and you need to use your your right hand? Well, I'll use my left hand. <laughs> well, what happens if somebody's going to try to go ahead and hit you? They won't hit me. They won't even be they won't be coming. I'll be moving in the other direction. You know, you like you taught me. The ring is a chessboard, and I'm going to move around and use my ring generalship. And sure enough, for the first time seeing him compete. As an adult, second-degree black belt, every fight that he fought, he didn't get scored on. Nice. The, la- the grand championship fight was over against a person from a rival school, from the Key Wayne Kim school, and uh, it went into sudden death. And all I hear uh, at the very end, my master, my grandmaster said, Amos, close the door. Let's get out of here. Next thing you know, when the judge said fight, my friend Amos came in with the Superman punch like real fast that all the judges had to go ahead and uh, flag him as the point. That's cool. Good down Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, like you said, you know, it, it, it can, you know, it can be fluid and it can change. But I think at this time, and it, you really had me at this question. It's a very good question. I really had to, you know, throw that down there. You know, it might seem weird because three out of the four are like from the same mm-hmm. martial arts lineage as I am. But I have to give them that credit, you know, especially with two of them that was so synonymous in martial arts history. You know, you kind of have to at that point. It's like saying that, you know, you have to say that Michael Jordan was the best, you know, NBA player to ever do it for what he did. You know, at the time it was unheard of. I mean, whoever heard of a basketball player that got two sets of three peats? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's unheard of. Yeah. That's like, you know, I'm just like, wow. Okay. Now we understand where Tom Brady got that from. <laughs> there you go. And I'm a Michael Jordan fan, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, nice, sir. Nice. Uh, my only question to you, only, you know, not to flip the script, which three Pete do you think was better? The first one or the second oh, one? Man. Probably the second one. I think the second. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Just because he had took the time off, he played baseball and he, he came back. He's like, oh, let's do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, for sure. Just to prove I can. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Cool. So what in all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that just stands out? It rises to the top. It's super important to you. There are two actually that, okay. um, that stand out. First one, it's cliche. 
but it can't be further from the truth because it's because it's true, which is never give up. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there are things in life that do get us a little bit easily angry and frustrated because we don't understand something or we don't get it or it just doesn't click right away. Well, I understand that, but just because it doesn't click right away doesn't mean it won't click at all. You know, things do take time. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Consistency is key. And if you are consistent with it, training with it every single day and reviewing it, you'll get it. It just takes time. Never sell yourself short and never give up because when you give up, that to me, it, it tells me, and I hate to be dramatic about it in this sense, mm-hmm. it just tells me that it's it's the beginning of the end. And you don't want to be that person. You right. want to be the person that's willing to face that challenge, to understand the situation, to ask the questions, and to try to, to solve it. You know, there's not anything in life that you know you can't solve if you just take each piece on the table and try to form it one by one so that slowly you get to see what the picture evolves into. Number two, the most important thing I've also have been taught is that uh, the martial arts is your journey and your journey alone. I don't think nobody else can tell you, you know, what to do or how to do it. You just go through it on your own. Everybody else may tell you and suggest certain things because of what they did in their journey. And that's great. You know, I'm all for it. But understand that, um, you know, my journey is my journey. And what happens is what's going to happen. As long as if I keep that constant and I keep going, then I'm okay with it. And for me personally, I would like to keep going until until the air stops, uh, you know, producing in the body. If I'm still in a if I go in a wheelchair, I'm going to find a way to mm-hmm. train somehow because there are ways to do it. Oh, yeah. uh, there are people that do it and, that I have seen that done it. And I'm like, holy cow, you just taught me that uh, with your impossibility that it is possible. Yeah, my instructor actually teaches an adaptive class a couple nights a week, and he's had a few s- students in uh, wheelchairs get black belt. And I remember when he first started, I remember this, I forget her name, but he had this one student that came out, you know, he had, it was his first student ever with a wheelchair and he didn't, you know, wasn't sure what to expect. And, you know, he told the kids at one point to get down and do pushups and he, and he was going to go over and tell her, you know, don't worry about it. And she jumped out of her wheelchair and got down. He's like, okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, for just, sure. just as determined as everyone else. She's like, if I can do it, I can do it. So yeah, it was for kind, sure. of, kind of cool moment to see that. Right. All right, I have a few fun ones to wrap it up here. Uh, yes, sir. F- favorite martial arts book? Oh, wow. Favorite martial arts book. I can tell you the one that I'm actually reading right now. Okay. And that would be S. Henry Cho's Korean Karate, Free Fighting Techniques. And I, I actually know that uh, book because I'm literally staring at it over at my book collection on my desk. Nice. That's I've actually never read that one. I might have to pick that one up. That's that's I tell people that's the whole reason I added this question to the show because I didn't used to ask it. It's because I want to add more books to my library. So <laughs> I tell you, let me tell you something. Um, eBay is definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I need to count. I know I know my martial arts library is probably somewhere between one to two hundred, but I don't know an exact number. I have like four or five sitting right next to me. I have a couple Junry books sitting right next to me. And ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. One of my uh, um, I inter- well, Francis Pineda, I interviewed, and he actually sent me a few of Junry's books after our interview. So I I, I know Francis Pineda, a yep. great guy, love him to death. Uh, 
you know, Mr. Pineda, shout out to you, sir. You're amazing. I just wish that you would be a Baltimore Ravens fan. That's just all. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right. Now, you, you're kind of like me. You grew up in the 80s and stuff in the 90s, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you have an answer for this one. A favorite martial arts video game? Oh, man. I would say the martial arts video game that did it for me was uh, Street Fighter 2. Nice. Okay. Yeah, the original one with just the eight characters. You couldn't pick the same character. It had to be like, oh, you picked Ryu? Darn. All right, I'll pick Ken. God, I haven't played that in so many years. I need to dig that out and play it again. That's, that's... I actually I actually just bought it recently uh, again for uh, – I'm a Nintendo Switch guy. I oh. recently got a Nintendo Switch, and they have like a – I think it was like the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter. So they have like the benchmark, the very first one that started okay. it all, of uh, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 3, Street okay. Fighter 4. I'm just like, man, for 1999, I sure hit, hit, hit the jackpot with this one. And I'm not really a gamer anymore. I was when I was younger, but my, my wife and my son both have a Switch. So maybe I'll have to look into that and, you know, dig out some Street Fighter and some Mortal Kombat and some Tekken like I used to play. So, <laughs> Well, either, either that for me or, like, I'm a Mario Kart 8 deluxe guy right now. Nice. I love Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And uh, a fun one, actually, uh, Nintendo Switch Sports. Um, I like the bowling aspect of it, and I think that's fun. Okay. So, I, you know, I'm just like, hey, free cardio, doing bowling. I'll to check it out. But I'm also, I, I just know if I start playing them, I'll just get hooked again, and I just have so little free time. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, it, it goes back to, like, it's cool that I play video games, but i got to have that physical balance. You know, yep. there's life outside of video games. Let's go ahead and kick the punching bag outside for a little bit, or let's go walking, or let's do something. Let's be physically active. All right. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Oh, man. Are we talking about, like, live action TV show, or are we talking about a cartoon? It's up to you. I've had guests pick both. If you want to pick one of each, go ahead. If we are doing cartoon. The 1980s version of Teenage Ninja Turtles. Oh, nice. No one's picked yes. that yet. I like that. Yes. Okay. Uh, that, that was the one that did it for me. If we're talking about live action, this is going to shock a lot of people. Even though I should pick Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, mm -hmm. I'm going to pick Kung Fu. The Legend Continues with David oh, Carradine. The sequel. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I've well, talked I mean, about I'll that show a lot, but no one's ever picked that one. Obviously, I was, you know, not old enough at the time when the original Kung Fu came mm -hmm. out. So when I heard, you know, it was like, wait a minute, what is this? Oh, this is a, a, a continuation, but in a modern sense. I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah, with Chris Potter. It was such a good Chris show. Potter, yeah, yep. yeah. Man. And like one of the very first episodes I caught, Ernie Reyes Jr. Yep. from the West Coast Action Team was in the episode. I was like, what? You mean Kino from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? <laughs> He's in this thing? Oh, That's my goodness. Awesome. So did you ever watch Ernie Ray's junior show Sidekicks? You ever find that yeah, one? Yes, I did. I did. I actually did. I remember when it was um, The Electric Knight. Yep. Because that was, that was the that benchmark. Was the, the movie, yep. And then it spun yeah, off. Yeah. And I remember because Jason uh, Harvey from, uh, what was it? The Wonder, Wonder Years. Years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was his friend. He was like, so where are you from? Are you from Vietnam or something like that? No, I'm from this place called Patusan. I'm like, wait. And I'm like looking around like, wait a minute. Where's that in the map? Because <laughs> I thought that, I legit thought that was like a, a like a real place. Yep. But it was it was a fantasy place. But yeah, Ernie Reyes Jr., God bless him. You know, he was doing it for like so long yeah. with TV and, and martial arts. And, you know, thank God he's still with us because the last yes. time I heard he had like a – 
an issue with his kidneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had, had dialysis. Health battles, so, but yeah. it, it's it's funny you mentioned Patusan. He brought that back in Surf Ninjas. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I remember yes. I first thought oh I'm like, why does that sound familiar? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, you're hitting it right on the button, sir. But I do ha- right I do have to ask. So you mentioned Kung Fu: The Legend continues right around that same time. Did you ever watch the show Street Justice? I heard of Street Justice. Okay. I didn't watch it, although um, not a lot of people watched it. <laughs> it was a good show. There, there, there was a show during that era. It was like four shows in a big thing called Action Packed, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a show that I used to watch called The Vanishing Sun. I love that show. So yeah, good. Yeah, with Russell Wong. I was like, yep. oh my gosh, it was, it was amazing. And just to piggyback a little bit, if we're talking about uh, acting, my cousin who um, was one of my first instructors at uh, my Taekwondo school that I went to, he actually starred in a, uh, he was in a show called a man called Hawk. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. Now, if you remember the old TV show, Spencer for hire. Yep. And you remember the, the black gentleman Mm -hmm. who was also in star Trek, deep space nine. Yes, that's right. Yeah. There was a scene where um, four of my seniors, including my cousin, was in a boxing gym and you see my cousin like literally just you know throwing jabs and bobbing and weaving i'm like no way like i was like looking i was like oh i have a cousin that finally made it in tv you know he'll be able to at the time i was young i was like he'll probably get get me an atari 2600 with all the games and two controllers (laughs) and then you know he he comes to me he's like man i I just made enough to to pay for tuition Hey, that's cool though. No, I actually tried. Uh, no response, but I'm, I actually tried to get Russell Wong on the show, so <laughs> he'd be fun to chat with. Oh, I think he would. I think of uh, his tale, like of his acting career, his legendary acting career, and I guess you know his take on martial arts. I think it'd be awesome. So exactly, you know, Mr. Wong, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you got to get on this show, sir. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes. All right. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Favorite martial arts movie, I mean, we're going to go back to it. We're going to go uh, The Karate Kid. Nice. Um, you know, but if I can pick another one, mm-hmm. I would say that it would be um, Bruce Lee's um, Enter the Dragon. Oh, nice. Two great ones. Yes, sir. And mine's always Karate Kid because I tell people that's the reason I got into it, too. Right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But Mine was different because we walked out of the movie theater and they were actually uh, a local Tung Sudo school was handing out free passes outside the movie theater. So <laughs> oh, wow, good marketing in 1984. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Nice. All right. Final question. Now this yes, one sir. doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, but it can be, and it can't be one you were in, but just a favorite movie fight scene. Favorite movie fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. What was that one? It was that one movie. I think it was called uh, like Blood and Bones or whatever. Okay. And Michael Jai White is uh, actually fighting, you know, Matt Mullins. And it's funny. Like you see Matt Mullins. And if anybody knows Matt Mullins, he was uh, very big in the NASCAR circuit. Student of also Mike Chatteratabut Mm -hmm. was on Team Paul Mitchell. But anyways, you see him like uh, dressed up in like in a suit or something like that. And the scene starts. It's like, hey, do you want to go ahead and get changed out of your suit and into something more comfortable to fight this guy? And Matt Mullins, I'll never forget. He's like, for what? <laughs> and then you just see like him and Michael Jai White, you know, fighting, you know, a thin, you know, muscular martial artist that knows a lot about, you know, tricking and stuff like that. And then you have a big 
solid muscle, beefy guy like Michael Jai White. And I'm just like, wow, they actually made that pretty good. Like the way that they're they're hitting each other with different techniques, the different styles and the contrast, you know, styles make fights. And they did a great job making that fight scene. Great. Answer. That's another person, Michael Jai White, that I'm hoping to have on the show. So awesome. Awesome. Be cool. Well, before I let you go, anything else that I maybe forgot to ask you or anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up here? No, I mean, I just want to give like a couple of shout outs, um, mm-hmm. you know, first and foremost to uh, my teacher, uh, Grandmaster Amos Johnson Jr. for always being there for me throughout the years. You know, you are not only my teacher, uh, you are not only um, my friend, but you are my father, you know, and I really uh, appreciate all that you've done for me throughout the years. And, you know, I have nothing but love and respect for you, sir. Also to my school that I train at over at Annapolis Martial Arts Center. You guys are amazing individuals and we're going to go through this journey together. You know what I mean? So when I get back, anybody who needs help, I'm there. I got you. I got you. Um, Also, all my other friends out there in the world, like uh, Timothy Apollo, Cameron Whittington from Team Amerikick, my friends over in uh, Kaizen Karate over in Washington, D.C. Appreciate y'all. And just everybody else, like, you know, like people like in the tricking world, like uh, uh, there's a uh, Ingun Yu. There's also um, we also have uh, Crazy Dragon himself, which is uh, Shim Young Hoon. Uh, we also have uh, Mr. Uh, he, he calls himself uh, Dub SB. Okay. So and anybody else like, again, if I forgot you by name, I'm sorry. There's just too many to name. <laughs> but just know that I love you guys. Keep training. You know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Let's help each other out. Let's motivate each other. Let's keep each other on the right frame of mind. Let's keep each other accountable. And just know that if you need anything, if you need to talk, I'm here for you. I want to see everyone succeed. Nice. That's great. I love that. Well, it's, it's been such a, such an honor and so much fun having you on the show. You're great life, great experiences and, and nothing but continued success. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully can see you doing some more martial arts on the screen soon. And, and maybe, like I said, my, my son lives out in that area. So maybe we'll meet in person someday too. I, I would love to. And, um, also a quick shout out to also, uh, real quick. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, a good friend of mine, Ramel Morales, who actually got me on his film, Miscalculated. I appreciate that. I also want to uh, also give a shout out to his wife, April Phelps, who got me in her TV series called Stones. Uh, Love you, April. You are a gem. And also a good friend of mine, Sifu, uh, Jimmy D. Nolte. I was in his short called, again, uh, Scrolls of Honor. Uh, sir, much love and respect to you. You are a man among men. Next time that we get out together, the Korean barbecue will be on me. <laughs> nice. Well, I seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I, I thank you for your time. I thank you for your stories. It's been so much fun, and, and I can't wait till the episode comes out. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate this opportunity. And and again, guys, you know, we're we're in this journey together as martial artists. You know, just you know, let's be more supportive of one another. You know, it's not, uh, it's not a fraternity or sorority. So there is no divide or you don't talk to this person because they're not anybody. Let's really unify each other. Let's really help each other. Let's support one another. And, uh, let's really show the world what, you know, true martial arts and martial artists are all about. Perfect way to end it. Uh, thanks again, sir. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. 
Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists, and we'll see you next week.